Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a grand honor and delight to be welcoming one of the most important and respected guitar players in the world. Al Dimiola is a performing and recording artist, a composer, band leader, and collaborator with the greats in rock and jazz. And folks, he's got a new album out. It is his second tribute to the Beatles, entitled Across the Universe. Al Dimiola interprets the beloved songs of the Beatles. I have to say, he does it extremely well, and I've been enjoying listening to this very much. So, Al Dimiola, it's a great pleasure. How are you, sir? Doing good. I'm doing good, considering you know <laughs> what we're going through in the world here. You know, we hold up in the house and uh, gives me a lot of time in my studio. I got to say. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, doing good. I mean, you know, the release of the record came at the time of this pandemic and, and, uh, but people are still absorbing the music and that's a good sign. You know, it's a good time to listen to music. Music pulls us through, right? Absolutely. Probably people are listening to music more now than ever. <laughs> Without music, we'd, we'd have a lot of insanity in the world. You know? So, so this is, this is a time I really, uh, into high gear, you know, music and, and art and film, and, you know. But uh, yeah, so my my love of the Beatles uh, came back in full swing these last ten years. Uh, I grew up with the Beatles, loved them then, and then we discovered how great those those aesthetic pieces of art are. Really, you know, and and things that you might have taken for granted, you really. You know, you you just check it out deeper, and you realize these these were really super great. You know, that's just the way I feel about it. So I wanted to make a project and, and uh, that that blends, you know, my world with theirs in in a, in a very respectful way. You know, so this is the second recording I've done, you know, but with the intention this time to do a, a much more in-depth and larger production with me playing most of the instruments. As opposed to the first one where at Abbey Road, uh, where I had, I had uh, really, I didn't have my arsenal of equipment and I really liked the idea of doing something that was more solo acoustic guitar oriented, you know, scale down, minimalist kind of uh, approach. And I, I really loved the way that came out. But I said, at some point, it might be cool to do a, a bigger production get that out of my system and that's that's what this is all about can you remember your first exposure to the beatles yeah i was be i would say between nine and ten years old and uh my sister who uh my sister claire was seven years older than i am she was the one that came home with all the, all the singles all the 45 singles and, and then she came home with uh, the vinyl album of Meet the Beatles. And I just remember how blown away I was. So it was a world filled largely because of my sister with, with all these, you know, new sounds. Because it was everything about the Beatles and the Beach Boys and, 
the ventures and you know all of the all of the bands of the early sixties it just was an explosion of newness and creativeness. Beatles were of all of them the ones that set the bar the highest. And when you go back and you rediscover and listen fresh to to even even the early stuff, I have to say, it's it's remarkable how good and vibrant it sounds. Vibrant's the right word. It's just so happening and alive and fresh. And then, of course, as time went on through the 60s, they got more and more deeper into production with, with George Martin being at the helm of the production. And, and you know, the fact that they were very open-minded and also had the vision to to include orchestral instruments and sound effects and, and things that were totally non you know, used, you know, and and thought of in in the pop world from other bands. They were the ones that were way ahead of the curve. And still, I I listened to my favorite period being, you know, the Magical Mystery Tour, Sgt. Pepper, White Album. I listened to those records in wonderment because they were still in their 20s making records that were far ahead of uh, anything that, I even hear today. I got to say, I mean, who 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 can compare to that today? How about no one? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that's 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 in the pop realm, and that's because I went through a heavy jazz rock period. That's how I built my name, playing with Chicory and everything, which was, you know, one might not automatically think that you know that I was a huge Beatle fan, hearing what I've done with with Return to Forever, but but really, you know, all of my my records had a great deal in my compositions of melody, and and I think guys that come from a background of solid jazz and never went through having the Beatles influence them, they have far less melody, you know. So I think more emphasis on improvisation, less on melody. So I always thought melody and harmony were vital parts of a composition. So. It's those songs that don't have to be 20 minutes long that that will stay with us for generations and generations. Not so sure about the other stuff. (laughs) Interesting. Has doing this album in any way changed how you look at the Beatles or how you feel about them? Um, I listen to them on a daily basis for the last 10 years. I can't get enough of it. And of course, the nostalgia end of it, where it brings me back to that room in my parents' house and riding in the car with my parents as a little boy uh, or young, very young teenager and hearing those the radio just, you know, playing Ticket to Ride or Lady Madonna, or, you know, and I was like, I was in heaven. It just brings me back to a time of innocence a time of joy, a time of uh, simplicity, a time of uh, getting, you know, absorbing newness and and, and becoming inspired uh, and having, developing a vision. It was, it was an amazing thing to go through. And luckily I had good enough taste to, to recognize what was, 
really good because here I am now, much later, of course, and, and finding that what I loved then, I still love now, which I say to kids that like rap music, but you like when you're young, you're going to hate when you're 50. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were deciding on the songs and yeah. putting your stamp on them, what was the approach that you take? How did you, how did you come about making these interpretations? Well, I have a certain rhythmic and rhythmic approach to almost everything I do. Just it's involving syncopation, and what I'll is I'll take the harmony of a song, I'll break it down into an arpeggio, an arpeggiated rhythm, rather than play a chord and note chord, like in, let's say for for instance, uh, A Jude is is played. If you just kind of zone in on the piano, which is you know his Paul's approach to playing the piano is very similar on a lot of other songs where he'll play chord and note chords while he sings over it, and it's absolutely beautiful that way because then you can add a lot of different layers of of uh, parts. You don't have complexity of rhythm where it becomes very difficult to, to do that. So for him and, and the way they did it, I absolutely love it. But for me, if you eliminate, because of course we're not going to have the voice and lyrics in there. So now I'm, you know, I, I could never then play the rhythm the way he did it, which is basically ba, 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 hey, ba, 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 make it ba, ba, ba. The piano's only doing. Da, 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 da. That's it. So, if I'm doing an instrumental version of any one of those songs and I'm kind of imitating what he does, well, that wouldn't be cool at all. You know, so, I have to then take that harmony, which usually they, they have beautiful chord harmonies, but, you know, underneath those beautiful melodies, and then do something with it in a, in a syncopated, arpeggiated way. And that's that was my approach. That was really the beginning of what I did. And then a lot of the songs are also very short, like Norwegian Wood. The original form of the song, even though it was under two minutes, you don't you don't really say, "Oh my God, it's too short." You it sounds great the way they did it, but an instrumental version under two minutes would would leave you like wanting a hell of a lot more. So what I did was I wrote a lot more. And I tried to think, okay, what if they were to make this, you know, a piece that goes into another, you know, makes a left turn and makes a right turn and but goes back to the main melody and make it more of a, a sweep, let's say. And uh, so I did that on, on some of the tunes and Strawberry Fields, I felt needed another section. So I just wrote another section in the middle of it. I have to say, I, I love the whole album, but Norwegian Wood, I keep finding myself going back to and listening to again and again. So I'm glad you mentioned that one. Yeah, that one really went off on a tangent, that one. It's like, <laughs> it's like borderline almost too much. But, you know, I it's where my head was at the moment. Yeah. It was great to listen to. might be hard, but could you pick a, a certain piece from the album? Uh, an interpretation that you did that that you're you felt was especially strong. Mother Nature's son. Yeah. 
Yeah, and because it, it's not one of the most popular songs. I don't know why. I thought I thought everybody knew that song, but you know, it, there was a. Uh, I just loved the way it came out. That one took the most time of rehearsing, practicing it to get it smooth from chord to chord in the style in which I played it than anything I've done in, in I don't know how many years. It was just one of those songs that, you know, you don't listen to it and go, oh my God, that's a really difficult piece. It's not supposed to be that way when you listen to something. It's supposed to sound effortless, but to get certain pieces to sound effortless, you know, certain ones are much harder than others. And that one was, was really a brutal piece, but the end result is just something I'm really, really proud of that piece of all of them. And I, and I like, I like a lot of them. I mean, I like the way Dear Prudence came out. I like the way Julia came out. Strawberry Fields is a tour de force. Norwegian is a tour de force, you know, it's, uh, but Mother Nature's Son was, uh, you know, it's, you know, some of the songs like Here, There, and Everywhere, Mother Nature's Son are what are deemed to be chord melody pieces. So the melody is within the chord. So every time you shift the melody note, you should think of a chord with it. And that, that is a term used in jazz, old jazz, chord melody. And it's a lot more, uh, let's say, experience and, and technique is needed to be able to pull it off. So if you're singing a melody, imagine a chord going with the melody. You know, it's a lot of work. For anyone who's listening to this album, your interpretations of these great Beatles classics, is there something you want the listener, the person who's hearing it, is there something you want them to get from that experience? Well, it depends. I mean, if they're Beatles fans, you hope that they get it. They hope that they 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 just enjoy the fact that I took the uh, the leap to to expand on their work. That's all I ask for. I, you know, I hope they really appreciate it because they're they're you know a lot, a lot of I think a lot of my audience you know, grew up with Beatles and. I find it very difficult to think that there's anyone that never liked the Beatles. That would be weird to me. They're from another planet that you know, <laughs> never liked the Beatles, you know, for sure. You know, I don't know if I could be friends with somebody who's never, never liked the Beatles, but, uh, and then there's some people that just didn't grow up with them and don't have the same nostalgic thing. And then they hear this. I've had some people say, you know, I, I didn't, I never really got into the Beatles, but I love this. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's a couple of them. It was like, what? You never got into it. I prefer the way you're doing it. That's, I've heard that a few times and I thought that was really bizarre, but maybe that will bring them to appreciate the Beatles, you know, because they were that good. Hmm. You know? Well, as, as everyone is feeling right now, a lot of people having cabin fever, Check out this album by Al Miola, Across the Universe. Do you have any words of wisdom to the people out there? Do you have any, any uh, maybe just something that will keep them sane during this time? Well, it's, you know, it's not for music and, and movies and art. You know, it's going to be very hard to 
not feel like you know you got to break out and, and it's it's only the music and and, and things of uh, literature and movies that are going to pull us through this very awful world war you know this is this is unbelievable this is far worse than world war 2 in scope not that I looked at World War II, but you know, uh, from what I know of World War II, it was it was it, it didn't shut down every business. It didn't shut down every country. This is a, a the most bizarre thing we will ever go through, and will be in the history books for generations and generations, just like the World War One and Two were, you know. But this is a far worse World War Three in a sense because it's affected everyone. And the fear of your health and the fear of financial world are, are right in front of us. Going out is a risk. So it's a, it's a very difficult time. I don't know, I don't know who, you know, there's moments of weakness and there's moments you just pull yourself up. There's gonna be a lot of that going on, you know. And hopefully, when you're down in that little area of weakness and, you know, and like what I do is I go down in my studio and I'll, I'll delve into a piece of music because uh, I read music and reading music is like meditation. So I get into this music and I'm reading it and I completely go into another world. So if I do it for a half an hour, I say, wow. And when I'm done, I feel like, wow. For that half an hour, I didn't think once about the problem I'm in. Now, if you're not a musician, or you're not delving into being surrounded by music or, or distractions of, of any kind, and you're just living with the TV on or with the news, you, you can. I know when I do that, when I when I start, you know, vegetating in front of the TV and and, and hearing all of the stuff that's going on, uh, it can it can zap me back into a a horrid uh, kind of decline. So my advice is, you know, you you know, this is the time to absorb music. Uh, and there's plenty of people doing live streaming from there, uh, wherever they're, you know, hold up in. And I've done three of them already. And they're on, they're on my Facebook, official Facebook. And we're probably talking about doing, uh, actually, I'm talking about doing two more very soon, coming right up. I'm going to do a DJ session where I play some of my favorite songs. You know, not by me necessarily, although I might play a couple of the Beatles things from the, from the new record. But, you know, I have a dinner last night and I put on some of my, some, some pieces from Weather Report that I'm sure most people have forgotten or never heard, but absolutely blow me away. And it put me in a, such a great mood that I said, you know what? I should play this on a stream. <laughs> we had 350,000 people attuned in from all over the planet. For the first uh, streaming thing that we did, you know, that's a lot of people. And I bet you half of them have never, or more than half, have never heard the songs that blow me away. So it'd be a nice thing to do. So I'm just playing what I like. And then, and then maybe the next one we'll do we'll do a, a performance like I did on the on the first three streams where I, I actually play. You know, so these are these are things that are trying to 
keep me busy and, and, and then the feedback always makes you feel good, you know? Hmm. So, but boy, I don't know when it's going to be when we can play a concert again. And that's, that's truly, truly upsetting. You know? Yeah. It's going to be a while. It's going to be longer than I thought. Mm. You know, we were, we were hoping for May, June, forget it. Then we were hoping for July, not to forget it. So now they're talking nothing before the fall or next year. So it could very well be that the fall gets canceled and it's next year. And then at that point, we're, we're in super emergency mode, you know. Hmm. Gosh. Yeah. <sighs> So this this is this is big. This is big because they don't know what this virus is. They can't figure this out. And people that are walking around think they're fine and have it and are spreading it. They just they may have been sequestered in their home and if they, they feel great. And then they just go outside and they sneeze and the wind carries uh, particles and you know, a few people get it, and they, and they don't know they have it for the next three, four weeks. They feel fine, and then they're spreading it. And they're sure they're fine, but they're not. So this is unlike the normal flu in that regard, where you know pretty much right away you're sick. So this is like a ghost. <laughs> you can't see it. There's like a lot of horror movies that have been made. You can't see it. Yeah. So they're going to find something. I mean, I got, I got to believe that, you know, all of these great scientists in every country are going bonkers trying to find something. And with all the technology, something will be found. We don't know when. That That's it's just a, it's a, it's a hope thing. In fact, I wrote a song called Hope, a brand new song. And I, I debuted it on the last stream we did uh, last Saturday. So we do is hope. Without without the scientists and epidemiologists, and you know, we have that's kind of Armageddon. For all the listeners out there, you can check out aldimiola.com, aldimiola, a l d i m e o l a dot com. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great talking to you. My pleasure, Al. Thank you so much. Paul and Andrew. Take care, bud. All right. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band, written by Irving Berlin, performed by Dan Barrett. Outro scanning G-Things, improvised, performed, and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time. Goodbye.